recognize our veterans. Uh, if you're a veteran, would you please stand today? Give them a hand, those that have served us. Amen. Amen. We are the land of the free because of the brave. Amen. And we are thankful for your service and what you've done for us. You know, uh, Trish right now is up in Dallas. They had a wedding shower yesterday for all the Dallas bunch, and she'll be heading back in the next day or two. And uh, so I, I have found out, guys, I was actually sent a text by her a few minutes ago that said, please let the guys know they are welcomed to come to the wedding shower Saturday because it is a couple's wedding shower. I can't tell you how thrilled I am <laughs> to be invited to a wedding shower. Um, it's either that or go hunting, and it's really a toss-up for me. I'd... But guys, you are invited, but if you don't come, I understand. Okay, so uh, anyway, what a, what a season we're in right now. Um, we're, we're going the next few weeks we've been talking about, or we will be talking about, having an attitude of gratitude. A few years ago, John Maxwell, the Christian pastor and author, wrote a book about attitude. And uh, interestingly, the idea for the book came from his flight in a small airplane. And, and I'm a pilot. I know there's a couple of pilots in the room today. And inside the cockpit uh, of an airplane, large or small, there's an instrument called an attitude indicator. I think Becky's got a picture of one. That's what an attitude indicator looks like. And you notice the yellow line up at the top, the little diamond. That is indicating uh, a level flight. The blue is the sky, the brown is the ground. If you were to pull back on the stick, what's that going to do? What's that attitude? It's going to go, that's right, that's because the airplane's going what? Up. You guys are pilots in the making already. But if it turns left or right, what's going to happen? That attitude indicator is going to change, and that shows you you're in a left turn. And here's, the, here's what John really came up with that I think is just genius. Your attitude in life, the attitude that you carry around day in and day out is going to determine the success that you have in life. And there's tons of biblical information to back this up, and we're going to go into that today. Last week, we talked about the foundation of attitude a little bit. Today, what I'm going to talk about is how to construct a good attitude, how your attitude's created, but also how to begin to construct one. How many of you have ever been around somebody that had a bad attitude? Come on. Let me see your hands. Yeah. Yeah, some of you are dropping your head when I said that. Yeah, I got you. I mean, how, how much fun are people to be around that have bad attitudes, right? Some of you, the holidays are coming up, and you can't wait to get around some of these people because aren't they just a joy? You know, you say, hey, how's everything going? Well, I've got warts, and I've got, you know, and they begin to describe bodily challenges they have that kind of make you sick, and you really don't want to know, and, you know, they're, they're just, they seem to always be in this negative state. In other words, their attitude indicator is going down. But here's the truth. You are in control of your attitude. There's a lot of things in life you can't control, but your attitude is one of the things that you can control. And we're going to talk about what the scripture has to say about that. Let me give you some background on this. The way that your attitude is constructed, kind of the foundation of your attitude is really formed when you're a child. Some of you had a great childhood. Some of you had a challenging childhood. But when you're small, the foundation of your attitude is really created. Now, the good news here is if you had a rough childhood or a challenging childhood, God can help you rebuild that foundation. But when you're a child, you really don't have a lot of choices about what you do, right? You really don't. 
I mean, people say, get up, and you get up. They say, go to bed, you go to bed. You don't have a car. How many of you remember the first day you got a bicycle? Come on. Wasn't it like freedom? It was like you now, you have wings. I mean, you have this, this mode of transportation. And, but some of you, I know some of you, some of you decided to take that bicycle to the next level. You got a deck of playing cards, and, and you took a clothespin, and you put that on there, and now you had a pseudo-motorcycle. You know what I'm talking about? Anybody do that other than me? Yeah, I mean, you know, and, and, but you have freedom. And so as we begin to mature as children, we get more freedom. And here's where that freedom is found. That freedom is found in choices. The older you get, the more ability you have to make choices, right? Some of them good and some of them bad. So that's where that foundation comes from. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says this. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I thought as a child, I understood as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. As, as you begin to mature, your thinking begins to change, and you begin to mature a little bit. But there are building blocks in our life, and there's actually three I'm going to talk about today that kind of form the attitude that you have today. So these are the things that kind of form your attitude. The, the first thing, the first building block we're going to talk about is your personality. Your personality is who you are. That's how God created you from the get-go. And, and some of you, some of you, uh, let me see your, the perfectionist in the room. If you're a perfectionist, raise your hand for me right now. Oh, right, the proud, look at them, the proud perfectionist. Yes, they, they raise their hands. And, and you've got these people, these perfectionists. And I'm glad that there are perfectionists here because perfectionists are the kind of people that you want building an airplane, aren't they? I mean, you don't want me, as an example, building an airplane for you because we'd get done and I'd have parts left on the ground and I'd be like, oh, it'll be okay. You know? No, you want a perfectionist. But, but that attitude, sometimes perfectionists can be difficult to deal with, right? Amen? Come on, everybody else, let's try it. Amen? I mean, perfectionists, sometimes they can be a little hard to deal with and, and they can be challenging. But then there's on the other side of the equation, there's me. <laughs> and there's people like me. How many of you are kind of like, it'll all be all right? You're the ones that, everything is going to be all right. Woo! You know, you're just, it's all good. Everything's going to be fine. It'll all work out. We are the people that drive the perfectionists crazy, okay? That's, that's our job in life. And as a matter of fact, we get joy from that, don't we? Amen? You know, we, we love that. And so there's these extremes. But the truth is there's every shade of personality in the world that's out there. And I want to tell you something that I've learned in my studies working on this master's in leadership. We study people. And here's what I found out, and the, and the research backs this up. God uses people of every type of personality trait to be leaders. So your personality does not dictate how high you climb in the kingdom of God. Your relationship with him does. God uses perfectionists, and then he uses the rest of us in every shade because he created us that way. Look at the scripture. It actually says this in Psalm 139, verses 1 through 4. Excuse me, 139, 14. It says, I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and my soul knows it very well. We can celebrate all the different personality traits in there, because the truth is, God uses every one of us, every one of our different personality traits. But there's something else that happens that's even more than the personality that you're born with that dictates what kind of attitude you're going to grow up with, and that is this, it's your environment. 
It's your environment. In other words, what's around me, or more importantly, who is around me? Your attitude is more important than your personality because of the environment that you're created in. Let me ask you a question. How many of you make chili? Come on, where's my chili cooks in here? All right, we've got quite a few. Is Chili on day two is better than day one, isn't it? Have you noticed that? Day two chili? Oh, man. You know, I know there's bacteria growing, but now, you know, it kind of adds. For me, it's the tangy, you know. I mean, just scrape that off the top and keep rolling, right? I mean, it's all good. The perfectionist just went, eh, you know, right then. But, but the reality is day two chili is better than day one chili. Why? Why? I had time to soak it up, marinate it. All those spices and all those different things begin to soak into that meat, and, and it begins to create that chili and makes it awesome. You know, it's because it marinates in it. It's the environment that it's in. And here's the truth, folks. The truth is the environment that you're in is going to create your attitude and ultimately your destiny. In other words, let me break it down to you this way. (laughs) Who you spend time with has more to do with success in your life than your personality. And ultimately, listen to this. I'm going to say it this way. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Show me your friends, and I'll show you your future. I promise you, without exception, if you show me who you're hanging out with, I can tell you where you're going to end up. How many parents are always in the kids' business about who they're hanging out with? Come on. I mean, who they're hanging out with, if they're hanging out with with good kids, they're going to end up doing good stuff. If they're hanging out with knuckleheads, what's going to happen? Tasers are in their future, okay? I mean... Because all the parents are, oh, hallelujah, I get a witness right now. I mean, because here's the deal. I don't care how good you are. If you're hanging around with a bunch of knuckleheads, you're going to end up where they're going. I'll tell you what the scripture has to say about this. This is one of the most clear verses of scripture in the entire Bible. I'm reading out of the New Living Translation. This is Proverbs chapter 13, verse 20. Watch this. Walk with the wise and become wise. Associate with fools and get in trouble. Do I need to explain that to anybody in the room? Think about it. Another version says, walk with the wise and become wise. And it says, but a companion of fools suffers harm. How many of you have ever gotten in trouble because somebody with you was being a knucklehead, but you got in trouble for it? Oh, there's people looking at other people right now. That's awesome. Bitterness is growing right now as we're sitting here in church. Yeah, but it's true, isn't it? Because who you associate with, you become related to, and ultimately that's going to dictate your destiny. Very, and very important point. Here's the third point when we talk about building blocks of our personality and ultimately our attitude. What I hear. What I hear. And here's what the author states. Words are powerful yet meaningless until they're attached to a concept. And here's the other thing. It also matters the words that are spoken to you and from whom they're being spoken from. There's some of you right now that people have spoken death into your life. You're never going to amount to anything. You're stupid. And just on and on. And after a period of time, you begin to hear those things 
what happens is you begin to believe them. The problem with that is you begin to believe the lie, but you begin to act on that. And that's why it's so important, not only who we hang around with, but we make sure we get around people that build us up. Now listen to me. There are times in your life when people are going to tell you the truth about things, and it hurts. Okay? There are people in your life that are going to speak truth to you because they want to help you. And you need to hear that. But there are other people in your life that are beating you down, and you need to get away from them. That also goes to, in our current day and age, media. Right now, most of you have a smartphone. I mean, that thing can pick up anything in the world, and you can get all kinds of information 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Here's my question. What are you listening to and what are you watching? What's informing you? Because ultimately, what you listen to a whole lot is going to dictate your attitude and where you end up. You need to watch what you watch, and you need to watch what you're listening to. You need to pay attention. You absolutely need to pay attention. So what happens if we have negative thrown into our life a whole lot? Well, you've heard me say this. If you've been here at church for a few years, probably a thousand times. Hurting people hurt people. Broken people break people. But someone mentioned to me this week, I think it was actually Crystal, mentioned to me something the other day as we were talking. She said this, hurting people hurt people, but healed people heal people. Isn't that awesome? When we allow the power and the presence of God to begin to come into our lives and work on us and we become healed, this Holy Spirit in us, that same power that raised Jesus from the dead, now has the ability to reach out and heal those around us. There are some people in this room that have overcome incredible odds. That, that have had some challenges in your life that would make a lot of us shudder if we knew. But you allowed God to come in and begin to heal you. And now that power, that healing in you can be able to go out and reach and help other people. That power of God in you allows you to reach out and love on other folks and share with them. And God created you that way. Some of you have amazing testimonies. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us in Revelation that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb, what Jesus has done for us, but also the word of our what? Testimony. Some of you are walking miracles. The fact that you're alive today is a testimony to God's faithfulness and his goodness. How many of you, if you're being real honest, you look back in your life and think about a lot of times you shouldn't, have, you shouldn't have made it? Yeah. And yet God in his mercy kept you going. He's, he's sustained you. And that becomes a building block of your attitude. That really does. Maxwell talks about, in particular, the costliest mistake that people make in allowing God to build their attitude. And this is what it is. It's very simple. It's giving up. Giving up. It's quitting. He says this, others can stop you temporarily, but you are the only one who can do it permanently. The only person that ultimately in your life has the ability to stop you from moving forward in what God has for you folks is you. You are the only one that can quit in your life. It doesn't matter what mom and dad say. It doesn't matter what Pookie and them say. What matters in your life is what you ultimately say. Are you going to continue on or are you going to quit? You're the only one that gets to call it quits. 
Scripture says this about, and there's many verses about this. I'm just going to read one today. Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 says this. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest. Watch this. If we do not give up. What's the implication there? You can give up. You can quit. Jesus, in in some of the most heartbreaking scenes of the entire Bible, would call out to people to follow him, and there would be excuses of why they couldn't come. They, They would say no. Now, I want you to imagine being in the very presence of God, and Jesus is saying, come and follow me. And there were people that saw him do miracles, saw him raise the dead, saw him heal the sick, And then at the end of the day, they just went home. They just went home. Why? Because they weren't willing to follow. If you don't give up. If you don't quit. There's a term we use a lot in leadership circles when we're looking at people's lives. And it's called wasted potential. You know, it's difficult for me. I can tell you as a leader, one of the most challenging things for me in life is when I look at people that have tremendous gifts and tremendous abilities and they completely waste them. They don't do anything. They just, I mean, how many of you have seen that in your life where you see somebody that's just so gifted in a certain area, whether it's an athlete or someone in school, they're very smart, and you you say, what are you going to do? And they, they just don't do anything. And their potential absolutely leaks out. It's hard for me to watch. And here's the deal. Only only you get to choose how that goes in your life. Only you get to dictate. You can say no. And I want to tell you, I I didn't share this first service, but I'm just going to share with you from my heart right now. Don't live a life of regrets. Don't live a life of, I wish I would have. You know, that is one of the hardest things to deal with in life. When you look back and say, I wish I would have whatever that is. I wish I would have forgiven that person. I wish I would have taken that job. I wish I would have said yes to when God called me to do something. I wish I would have, because the regrets in life, there's two types of sin, folks. There's the sin of commission. Those are the things we do. And then there are the sins of omission. Those are the things that we don't do, but we should have done. Those are the things we wish we would have done. And I want to tell you that the harder of the two things is not the sin of commission because God in his grace and mercy comes in and and can forgive us and restore us. But it's looking back on life and those those things in life that you wish you would have said yes to. Because you can't get time back. You can't get it back. You know, as we get ready to launch into this new program with mentoring these kids, it excites me so much to think we're going to be able to seed into people's lives because all of us can look back and realize there were people that stepped in our lives at certain times and really changed maybe the direction of our life. And I think that then in conjunction and partnership with the school, they're going to bring us kids that are at that place where they need direction. And I'm going to say this today, and I'm not saying it to you to make you feel bad. Some of you are going to say, oh, I'm just too busy. I don't, I don't have time for that. What if somebody would have said that to you? What if 
at the point of your need when God stepped in and he used somebody to step into your life, but, but you, you, you know, what if they'd have said no? Where would you be today? And now we're getting an opportunity as a church to impact generations. And we need to say yes to what God wants us to do. Some of you, it's gonna be to give because we're gonna have to fund this. Some of you, it's gonna be to make cookies because kids need to eat. Come on, amen? But some of you, it's gonna be to spend time and pour into the life of someone that has no hope, none. And God may use you to be his hands and feet. How can we say no, right? How can we say no to those things? Don't waste your potential. So here's the deal. How do we begin to build the kind of attitude that we want? How do we get out of the hole? For those of you today that are thinking about your life and you realize, you know what, my attitude stinks. If that's you today or you realize there's some tweaks you need to make to your attitude, I'm going to give you just one real simple step that's going to help you begin to break the chain of where your attitude is now. And here's the deal. You've got to get your eyes on the prize. In other words, you've got to change your focus. You've got to change your focus. So here's the question today. What are you focusing on? What is taking up your attention? What is it in life that you're so looking at? What, what is it that's got your, 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 your attention when you're, when you're sitting around? What is it you're looking at? You need to maybe some of you tweak that and get that focused appropriately. Look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. This is the Apostle Paul talking to the church at Philippi. This is what he says. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God, through Christ Jesus, is calling us. Here's what Paul's saying. He said, I'm pressing on towards the prize. In other words, he knew what his target was, and he says, I'm pressing on towards that target. And you know, the truth is, for some of you here today, you don't have a target. And, and I'm not saying this to be condemnatory. You know I don't do that. But, but you, you don't have a focus. You're, you're just kind of all over the place. And Paul in this situation, is he knew where he was going. Let me just tell you something today. The only way you're going to figure that out is when you begin to slow down long enough to figure out what your focus is. On Wednesday nights, we have started a class. We just kicked off the introductory class last week. And it's on spiritual transformation or spiritual formation. And it's really about discipleship. And over the next few weeks, what we're going to be doing is talking about how you as a Christian can begin to really grow and find out your purpose. Because the truth is most of us never were taught that. And that's not anybody's fault. But I want to give us as a church the opportunity to where we can really begin to draw close to God so that he can define for us in life what he wants us to do. But here's the thing. If you don't have focus right now, if you're not sure where you're going, we're giving you the opportunity to come work on that and figure it out. But you got to come. I'm not, again, I'm not saying these things to make you feel guilty. I know people are busy. But, but if you're kind of wandering around in life and trying to figure out what you're doing, then come so we can equip you to figure that out. What's your focus? What is your prize? There's a young boy, um, little guy, eight, nine years old, and, 
at school, they were having track day. Anybody ever have track day at school? I remember as a kid having track day. It's where we ran races and did things. And he was in the relay. And, and uh, there were the, him and three other guys in the relay. They were running one lap at a time, right, and handing the baton off. Well, he was there at the very end, and uh, they were going to hand him the baton so he could run. And his team was behind. They, they were almost in last place. And, and the buddy came around and handed him the baton, and he took off running just as hard as he can go. And he started passing everybody, ended up in first place. This is a true story, by the way. Ended up in first place. Little bitty guy running as hard as he could go. But about 200 yards out, his little legs and his little lungs just started giving up. And he started falling back. And he fell from first place to second place to third place. He was, he was sucking wind is what was going on. And he turned the final corner. And he was thinking he was going to give up. But a voice began to ring out from the crowd, and it was his father. It was his father, and his father began to cry out to him and said, focus on the finish, son. Focus on the finish, and he finished strong. This message today is, I believe, God speaking out to some of you saying, focus on the finish. Focus on the finish. Begin to get your heart right. Begin to get your mind right. Begin to get your attitude right. Stop looking at 50 things. In other words, you need to find your personal why. Find your personal why. In my family, back in the late 60s, I was born in 66. I was two years old, two to three years old, and my father worked for the Kodak company. You guys may remember that was a camera company. They used to make things called film. <laughs> but he worked at that plant in East Texas, and my dad was up for a promotion. He'd had a little bit of college, but lots of experience, and he was up for the promotion, and he was the guy that, that was the inside man to get the job. But another gentleman applied for the job that had a degree but no experience, and they ended up awarding the job to that guy. My dad came home, had me as a three-year-old, my brother as a one-year-old, told my mom we're selling everything we have except the truck, and I'm going back to school. They drove down to Sam Houston State, put himself through college working at the prison at Huntsville, ended up getting his master's degree in ag economics. Mom told me those years were very, very hard. There were many times they'd go to the refrigerator and there'd be an egg. There'd be a pickle. But my dad had a why. And his why was, I'm never going to allow that to happen again to me or my family. And that passion changed his life. He got his focus. I grew up hearing that story many times. And I've learned that you have to have a why. And for some of you today, you need to find your why. You only get one chance, folks. We get one shot to make a difference in this world. We get one shot to get our family right. We get one shot 
in our relationship with God. One. And for some of you today, regardless of your age, you may feel like it's over with. It's not over at all. As long as there's breath in your lungs, it's not over. For some of you, you're young and you're, you're trying to figure out your next steps. You need to find your why. And you need to get busy. We're not promised tomorrow, folks. We have today. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with it? Trish and I have a passion. We talk about it a lot. In January, we're going to be starting 101 to 401 classes on Sundays. Initially, the whole church is going to go through it because we're all going to be on the same page. But then as guests come in, we're going to introduce them to this. And, and the real purpose of that class is to help them find who they are in Christ and begin to plug them into the church so they can begin to serve. Why? We want to help them get their focus right. We want to begin to equip you as disciples because here's the thing. Josh, I know you know this. Here's the thing as a pastor. I want your life next year to be better than it is this year. I want you to know who you are. I want God to begin to bless your family. I want you to begin to understand who you are in Christ. Begin to lead your coworkers to Christ. Begin to change this community for the kingdom. But it's only going to happen when you decide you're willing to commit and submit and allow God to begin to work in your heart. Here's what Paul said. 2 Timothy 4 verse 7. Think about this. Here's what he said. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I've kept the faith. I fought the good fight. I finished the race. And I've kept the faith. That's somebody that had their focus right. I wrote a comment here as I was trying to summarize this in some of my studies recently. Here's what I've learned, folks. In life, we're going to experience pain. There's going to be challenges. Jesus said, in the world, you're going to have tribulation. But he also said, be of good cheer because I've overcome the world. And I want to say this to you today. If we're going to experience pain in life, then let's give our lives for something worth living and worth dying for. If we're going to experience pain in life, then let's give our lives for something worth living and worth dying for. So today, are you wanting to quit? Maybe it's your job. One more time, it's your boss. Folks, after 10 times, maybe it's not your boss. Maybe it's your marriage. Some of you are wanting to quit because it's hard. Maybe some of you are just wanting to give up on life. I've met people like that. Recently, I've met people like that. Maybe you're wanting to give up on God. You're wondering where he is. How could this happen to me? Today is that day to begin to make those decisions to refocus your heart. We have an amazing opportunity. We live in an awesome place, don't we? A beautiful place with beautiful people. Look at your neighbor and say, you're beautiful. Look at your other neighbor and say, you complete me. (laughs) But we don't want to live our life with regret. 
Don't want to live your life with regret. To be able to look back and say, I gave everything I had, and it was hard, but it was good, and it was worth it. It was absolutely worth it. Amen? Let's pray. Father, I thank you today for your word, and I love the simplicity of your word, Lord. You don't make it so complicated so that we can't understand it. Jesus, you said such simple things to us like, come and follow me. You said things like, if you're weary, if you're tired, come to me. Take my yoke upon you. But Father, sometimes we fight so hard. We fight so hard to keep what we think is control, and it's not control at all. Ultimately, you are in control. Ultimately, you're in control. In the holiness of this moment right now, folks, you've heard the truth today. And I don't want you to leave this place without an opportunity to really search your heart. Are you that person with that attitude? The truth is your attitude stinks. And you're miserable. And it's affecting your family and the people around you. But maybe you don't know how to change. For some of you, maybe it's because you grew up in an abusive relationship. Negative's all you know. Getting up in the morning is just an accomplishment. I sympathize with you. Some of you, you've been abandoned. Some of you have been verbally abused. Somebody's told you a lie and you believed it and it's dictated your life. I want you to know today that Jesus understands heartache. We don't have a God that doesn't get it. He was rejected by the very people that he came to save. They lied about him, they beat him, and he hung on a cross. But he did all that, the Bible tells us, for the prize that was set before him. And that prize was you he died for you he rose again for you the Bible tells us that he sits at the right hand of God praying for you and he's got a plan for you today and it's good and his plan is to give you a future and a hope So regardless of your background, whether it's good or bad, regardless of your childhood, regardless of the mistakes that you've made and your rejection of him, the truth is today he's standing here with arms open wide to adopt you into his family, to bring you home. Because the truth is he loves you. So right now, 
is an opportunity for us to really get this relationship with God right. If you're here today, I don't want anybody looking around. This isn't for my benefit, this is for you. You're here today and you want to get your relationship with God right. It's been hard, but you want to come to Him. You don't have to understand everything. You just know you need Him. If that's you today, just slip up your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me, amen. Amen, I see your hands. Maybe you're here today and you've walked away from Him. You, you've been... You've been in church, you've grown up, maybe you've, you've given your life to the Lord before, but you realize that you've gotten off track. Maybe it's because you're in the wrong crowd, maybe it's because you just made some bad decisions, maybe you didn't even intend to get there, it's just been a long time. And now you realize you're in a place that you never thought you'd be, but you wanna come back home. There's no condemnation just a smart move on your part because he's waiting on you. If that's you today, you can say, Pastor, that's me. I'm ready just to recommit my heart to the Lord. Slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. Amen. Amen. If you lifted your hand today for any reason, just come down to the front. I just want to pray over you real quick. Just step out and come down to the front. This isn't to embarrass you. This is just to Make a statement of faith for yourself. Just line up along the front here, guys. Amen. Anybody else? Maybe you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to come down. Anybody else? This is what it's all about, folks. Amen. You guys scoot in here close. I want you to grab each other's hand when you do that. And y'all out there, grab your neighbor's hand for me, okay? Let's all pray this together, okay? We're all gonna pray this. Lord Jesus, today, I come to you. I need you. Lord, I'm asking you to forgive me, to live inside of me. Make me the person I've only dreamed about. Forgive me. My life is yours. Here's the thing, if you meant that, whether you're up here or you're out there in your seat, God can meet you right where you are. You understand? He loves you. And there's no condemnation in this place. You know what we want? We just want us to all get our hearts right and get where we need to be. Amen. I want to encourage you in something today. Draw close to him. Choose to spend time with him and allow him to begin to work in your life. Amen. So I'll stand this morning. You guys stay down here for just a minute. I want to pray over you all real quick. And I want to thank you guys so much for being easy to pastor. Most of you, Dennis is the exception, but I really like the rest of you. <laughs> you guys are awesome. And, and it's an honor to serve you. 
Father, I pray that you bless us today as we leave this place. Lord, I pray that as we walk out of this place, people will know that we've been with you. And that, Father, you would uh, live through us. And, Lord, as we go out into a place where there's a lot of hopelessness, that people would see hope. And that, Father, we would share your love with them. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. God bless you guys as you go.